0: We we know of new methods of attack.
1: Uh, Yes. So, like, yeah, before we get started and read out tons and tons of of very well informed, interesting uh, listener mail. Um, Just before we came in here, a thing crossed my path here a tweet from 16 hours ago by a pretty noted journalist, at least noted on the West Coast, Ben Ehrenreich. I
0: don't know who that is,
1: but. Barbara's son. Oh, Um, that makes sense. uh, He was a big writer for the LA Weekly back and much less ideological than she was. And this is a formulation that is not dissimilar to some of the way that people have been talking about Israel and Hamas uh, ever since the October 7th massacre, which should probably never really be described as much else besides that. Uh, And, you know, thank God and shout out to Yael and other people who have just been – uh, telling the stories of the of the what's happened to people in Israel on that horrible day anyways um this is uh, Ben Ehrenreich um uh saying this is not an Israel Hamas war. those are in quotes scare quotes. It has so far almost entirely involved enormous violence unleashed by a state against a civilian population in Gaza. And increasingly in the West bank united largely by ethnicity. There
0: is a name for that. It's not war. That's the end of a deep thought uh, tweet. There's a name for that. It's not war. Yeah. Can you fill in the blank? I bet you can. I mean, but
1: this is (laughs) actually a pretty like common noteworthy journalist mouthing a common thing. And I, I'm just trying to wrap my brain around the moral calculus that looks at what happened there uh, on October 7th and say, it's almost entirely enormous violence unleashed by a state against a civilian population. It's almost entirely.
0: Unleashed. Almost entirely and unleashed. It, was, it reminds me of those um, terrorism death counts. I think I said this before that start on September 12th. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's almost entirely, oh, well, why didn't you just start it the day before? Well, that would would have to have 3,000 plus people there. Um, it's almost entirely, well, that's not true. Um, yeah, I don't even understand these things. They're not even worth engaging because it, it, it takes such kind of mental gymnastics to get to the place that a response to one of the bloodiest days, wait, the bloodiest day, single day in Israel's history, that one is, and I, and I presume that he's, um, he could just spell it out, but I presume he's doing what everyone does, which is drop the word genocide, right? Is that the presumably what he's, he's going uh, to
1: be either genocide or ethnic cleansing. Yeah. 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 I mean that with the overemphasis on ethnicity, as if I the differentiator I would, yeah. between people who live in Gaza and the West Bank and yeah. Israel is ethnicity. And that's just fucking not true.
0: Yeah. I don't, they're not, going after Israeli Arabs as far as I can tell. But I mean, these kinds of things, they're they're a dime a dozen these days. It's impossible to keep up with them. It's sort of like when we started Some Idiot Wrote This and had to kind of retire it just because of the sheer amount, the force of the idiocy that was coming at us that we just couldn't do it anymore. We were just like, well, we just talk about things. And usually they were written by some sort of idiot or in this case, a moral idiot. The idea that um, a response, but you know, look, I pointed this out the other day. That, that one is going to have to go back and go back to the 8th, ninth, 10th, and just use that as like a little period of time for your search operators. Start in the 7th, end in the 10th. And look for the word genocide. I mean, this is—I keep on saying that this is the Department of Preemptive Genocide Studies. It's like they're <laughs> they're they're anticipating it and wishing it in a way. Even if you trust the numbers that are coming out of the Hamas Health Ministry, which should not be trusted— I, you know, they're saying 5,000 people dead, et cetera. I don't, I don't buy that yet for obvious reasons because it's a mass, but it certainly doesn't count as genocide. And if that did count as genocide, a bombing raid or something that would count as genocide, genocidal days in the second world war, right? We were committing genocide against the Germans when 30,000, 40,000 people died in the bombing of Dresden over a couple of days. Is that genocide? Well, they, you know, they bombed a school, they bombed a hospital, which turned out not to be them. But, you know, another World War II analogy is this. In 1945, the RAF, uh, the British RAF, not the post-war Red Army faction, but the, the Royal Air Force sent a squadron of Mosquitoes uh, planes to Copenhagen, to Denmark, to bomb the Gestapo headquarters in, in Copenhagen. And one of the planes was flying low and I think um, went off track and f- I think, I, if I'm remembering this correctly, they flew into a school. And seeing that explosion, I think the other p- pilots thought that was, the, that was the target. And ended up blowing up a school of children. Oh. And killed 80 of them, 70, 80 of them, and then another like 17 teachers or something. I looked these numbers up the other day. So it's about 100 innocent children and, and teachers that were killed. Totally. I mean, it's not even a thing. People don't really remember that. I think in Denmark they do. There's a film about it. But yeah, that sort of thing happens in war, and it's really, really deeply unfortunate. And one thing that did, and i started start off on a grim note, but one thing I did want to mention is that the last time we recorded, I said because of, and this is by the by the danger of this kind of reporting, is because of all the mistaken reporting, um, the wrong reporting, the credulous reporting on the, on the hospital stuff, there was a church that was bombed. And I said in this podcast that there's been some evidence that the church itself was not bombed. And this is, you know, again, we have to be very careful. I did do, um, you know, all my throat clearing said, I don't know what happened. It turned out that, that was partially true because it was reported as a, that the, the church itself was destroyed. 2,000-year-old church was destroyed. That's not true. But a building adjacent to the church was hit and was destroyed and did claim the lives of a number of our friend Justin Amash's family, and that's a really horrible thing to see. These, I mean, he comes from a Palestinian Christian family. These are people I presume both Christians, Muslims. It doesn't matter who it is, but people that are that are there for for for, for safety's purposes. And if I don't know if it was a stray bomb, we don't know what happened, but those people died. And I did want to extend uh, our deepest condolences to Justin. And I did mention that in the previous episode prior to knowing any of this stuff and being having a slightly arched eyebrow because of the way this stuff is reported. This is the danger of this stuff being reported this way is you stop believing these instant and again, that actually turned out not to be entirely true. The instant the the, the instant response was the oldest church in Gaza had been destroyed. And that wasn't true. But it was bad enough that something next door was in those people in Justin's family. At
1: least two relatives, including yeah. his second cousin who is a baby. And he's he a baby. Yeah. And uh, and he Tweeted a picture, thankfully with a sensitive content war- warning, but I, you know, I shared it on the Reason Slack. He's friends both yep. to this podcast and also at my employer, and just an overall really good guy.
0: Um, yeah, and, very much and,
1: so. And just uh, it, it's horrifying.
0: And yeah, uh, he's been a, a friend to you and a, and and been very generous to you when you were reporting on him and following him around Michigan and stuff. And he's been a, a very good guest on this show. And I can't say much more than than we're deeply saddened that that happened and uh, it's just horrible
1: so uh segues actually uh into one of our questions which i'll skip right to from a christopher uh, and he's asking for a certain amount of perspective when it comes to the question of israeli war crimes hey guys been loving your podcast for a while just recently became a subscriber ding 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 we need we need some sound effects here yeah it's a morning zoo yeah sound yeah. effects here yeah <laughs> Uh, It's been a great decision so far. Thanks for making my daily. I think you
0: unsubscribed, but all right.
1: I know. Sorry. (laughs) I have to confess that over the years, I haven't gotten too deep in the weeds on the Israeli Palestinian conflict over the years. I think I've just defaulted to my religious upbringing, Baptist, Protestant, or my right leaning (laughs) politics, reformed Republican. And in that way, there was a clear black and white narrative. The older I got, the more I had to see things differently. Since October 7th, I have been deeply saddened, not to mention shocked, at the Israeli hate. I always knew that it existed, but I uh, just thought it was something that some Che Guevara poster having rage uh, against the machine devotee in the first year of college was signaling about. I didn't hear a lot of that uh, uh, went on in the quads of college campuses in years past. Anti-Semitism was either that or some Nick Fuentes type tiki torch carrying ass hat. MAGA is the biggest threat of anti-Semitism, I was told. In lieu of all of that, I have seen in the past, the scope of these protests that I'm seeing and reading about have frankly been a lot to take in. And I will add parenthetically that there's a lot of emails that are basically um, talking about this and a lot of our friends who've been Uh, Reacting to these uh, events uh, have been reflecting that I'll go on. My question is basically when I read on somebody's protest sign that Israel is a murderous regime and guilty of countless war crimes. Mm -hmm. Exactly what events are they talking about? Yeah. I feel that with my limited knowledges, this may be a very naive question, but I never see a list of specific grievances. I get people painting Israel with a big oppressive brush, but I need specifics. When the hospital thing happened and there was a lot of disbelief from the left, they referenced Shireen Abu Akhle but only Shereen Abu Akleh. Sorry for my mispronunciation. What happened wasn't good, but if Israel's crimes are so great, why are they not specifically and directly confronted except for
0: this one thing? And by the way, just to interrupt, that she was the Al Jazeera, Al Jazeera journalist who was shot and killed in the West Bank and um, shot and killed by an IDF soldier. So, And after an investigation, they initially denied it and then said, well, we don't know, and then said, yes, it was us, but she shouldn't have been there.
1: Yeah. Right. Which is a, a terrible thing. Shouldn't have uh, lied or misdirected. Shouldn't have done it. Yes. A bunch of should And it was also one person. Um, so it's a one person war crime, which is a bad war crime. Um, but what is the answer to that question? I recall in reading Benny Morris's great book in 1948, there was, uh, and I don't have the name of the massacre in front the of you're me. Saying. Dear Yasin. Yeah. And what I... Uh, One
0: of a bunch. I mean, there was, there was also a massacre, um, less well-known, well-known in Israel, of a bus full of, like, medical students, professionals, 79, 80 were slaughtered.
1: By Israelis? No,
0: by Palestinians. Okay. I mean, so there was, there was a bunch of these. I mean, there's some... Dispute about every single one of them, which of course is what happens when history is used as a weapon like this. But yeah, there's there's a lot, and there were a lot. Um, you know, the King David Hotel bombing, ninety one people died, and that was the Ergun. You know, the Stern Gang; those were terrorist organizations for sure. And yeah, that's it's it's remembered every year. It's become a rallying cry in the Palestinian territories and amongst Palestinians it's not <laughs> i think it's not it's, it's not a nice well, thing that happened
1: what what i am uh, struck by is that it is remembered in domestic israeli politics is. to this day it was yes. controversial at the time and yes. the context was there is a lot of dirty messy um, you know ethnic cleansing on a like village by village scale kind of terrorist acts On both sides, to in different scales, in 1947 and 1948, a lot of it's nasty.
0: Yeah, bad. And and before that, too. I mean, Arab revolt, Arab uprising in 36. I mean, in the 20s. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of this stuff that has been, you know, forgotten about when we have this conversation about Middle East history, Israeli history, Palestinian history. It's very, very much remembered there, though. It's very much remembered about amongst Palestinians and Israelis.
1: But I think that kind of to the and uh, I'm wandering out of my depth here. Some sort of mentioning this more of a, uh, as a volleyball set uh, for Moynihan to spike one way or the other. Um, uh, the fact that Darius is still on the lips of people. Um, sure. Yeah. If, if Israel was a, just kind of a constant war crimer, um, a, you know, uh, using, um, uh, kind of heedless genocidal tactics, um, that assault, uh, which I think numbered in like the the high two figures, Dariusine, if I'm not mistaken, maybe it more. Yeah, it more was over 100. 100?
0: And that is remembered as it should have been remembered. And it is over 100 people. There's some dispute about some others. There was one, I don't remember exactly where, that was in a mosque where people were killed. And then
1: obviously the uh, Ariel Sharon-ish Uh, Sabra Sabra Shatila.
0: It doesn't excuse it. Those were not Israeli troops. They were phalangists of the South Lebanon Army that were, you know, basically, yeah, backed by by the Israelis. And and the argument being that they should have known and should have and, and did know, or that they didn't know and should have stopped it or whatever. They might be There's Some there's a lot of debate about this stuff too, as is there with everything in Israeli history. Now, what I would say today. Is that, you know, we live in this culture of fast media where things, you know, people want answers. They want war criminals and they want guilt immediately. What happened on the 7th is indisputable because they wanted you to know that they were committing war crimes. They filmed them. Um, It is a war crime to take um, hostages the way they have. That is not, they're not prisoners. And that's what... The Hamas government has, has repeatedly referred to them as prisoners. And you should listen to a debate with a, a member of Hamas uh, on Al Arabiya TV, which I think is the UAE is behind that one. But a woman who actually does a very good job of going after a spokesman who says that they are they are actually their prisoners. They're not people who have been kidnapped any time somebody, a civilian dies is not a war crime. I'm sorry to say that it's horrible when civilians die and it's not to underplay it. But just as far as if you're shooting into a building where people are shooting out of it and there are people inside who are not shooting and they get killed, that is not a war crime as such. I mean, all you could make the argument that all deaths in a war is a crime, et cetera. But as, as a war crime, I mean, to, that's why you have to, you know, people believe, or they were trying to argue Um, And I saw a lot of this when the hospital thing happened, that the Israelis deliberately target hospitals. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that I find really fascinating about this that hasn't really been mentioned is the New York Times, who fucked this story up royally, did a a long piece, um, sort of investigative piece in 2018 about the Russian Air Force deliberately targeting hospitals in Syria doesn't really merit much of a mention these days. And didn't, people didn't really care at the time. When the Israelis do it, they care. When, when the Russians do it, they don't care as much. But one other data point, which is kind of tells you really all you need to know about the Hamas government in Gaza, is when you are in Israel, and I've done this one time because it happened uh, when I was going into Sederot in 2008 and had to go to a little bunker because there'd been alarms all day for rockets coming in.
1: You weren't just chasing the idea of girls.
0: Uh, I didn't, I didn't say that the rocket actually landed. Uh, <laughs> the rocket was there and that rocket was me <laughs> and I was chasing. She was a lovely, yeah. she's now my wife. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um there are bomb bombshells. Everyone has these bomb shelters, right? And you see this in some of the footage that, that unfortunately I did see of people in their safe rooms, you know, that's built with reinforced concrete, et cetera. And um Hamas uh terrorists are rolling grenades into these things, shooting people in them. A data point that really tells you all you need to know about Hamas is there aren't bomb shelters in Gaza. Nope. There are no bomb shelters. There are tunnels. Uh and those tunnels are for the Hamas fighters that are in them uh waiting for the Israelis to invade. And by the way, two years of planning. This operation, quote unquote, that killed fourteen hundred people, um, Part of that planning is what they are going to do when the IDF comes into Gaza, and it's not going to be pretty. I don't think anyone should be rushing this, by the way, saying, like, why are they waiting? Why are they waiting? Well, there's a number of reasons they're waiting. One of them is they're all underground, and they run out of fuel, they run out of food, they run out of water, and they are underground. And Israel can wait for a long time. They can't.
1: They waited for a long time in Lebanon uh, back in
0: two thousand and six. yeah that's
1: right. Um, I mean, we
0: we waited much longer than this for Afghanistan, you know, um waited much longer than this in the first Gulf War, which was I think about six months, five months, or something like that. But yeah, that I mean, th- the war crime thing is reflexive. And you can eliminate that from your consciousness until there's an actual war crime. That can be documented, independently documented. Because the other thing to keep in mind is that in this language of of war crimes, and and by the way, it's not to doubt that there aren't going to be war crimes. There have been, and there there, have been since 1948, and we just mentioned a few of them.
1: And there will be, and And there will be. We should never under discount um, how this has changed Israeli society. For yes. generations, most likely. Yes. Um, and everybody who's able-bodied in Israeli society yeah. and who is not Christian, is not Muslim, or not Orthodox, is yeah. in the army um, for two or three years. There's going to be some people who are going to exact revenge. Sure. We will see how much discipline the IDF actually has. Yeah. Um, but and like, there's
0: a lot of those it, things that happen. going to happen, and, people. Yeah. There's it, a lot yes. of things that happen that are not precipitated. Um, by a single event, I mean, if you look at the second intifada, which is kind of the key to a lot of this stuff, is the two Israelis' um, soldiers who drove into the wrong neighborhood and had Israeli plates in their car, the sort of yellow license plates of Israeli plates, and they were um, pulled out of their car by a mob. And the Palestinian authorities' police intervened and brought them to a police station. Um, There was a, baying mob outside that then entered the police station. They left the two soldiers. They had had disarmed them, and they just made a mistake. They weren't there doing anything on reconnaissance or anything. They just made a wrong turn. I think one of them was a recent Russian uh, Jew who made Aliyah. And they were murdered within the police station, eyes gouged out, horrible, horrible, horrible stuff. And the famous photos of the kid—I don't know how old he is. He looks pretty young— out the window with his hands all bloodied, with the blood of of the of the soldiers on his hands, they killed them with their bare hands to a, a, a cheering enormous cheering crowd. I mean, that's not. I don't even know if that's a war crime. I mean, it's beyond a war crime. It's, it's I, I, they're not actively at war. I suppose it's always at war. And again, this gets into these bizarre semantics, but things like that happen, and that had a huge effect on Israeli public opinion too. And that was. You know, one of those events that dislodged the the quote unquote peace process of Oslo and uh, Israelis didn't really come back from that. I wouldn't think. And then, look, again, you have you know the, the pullout pull out from Gaza. and look what happens. this is this is you know, they pulled out from Gaza. And this is what happens after, you know, Hamas is elected uh, a year later and then spends a long time being refuseniks to any sort of peace process. Well, graining
1: rockets and also taking as a hostage nine months after seizing power, what's-his-face? Yeah,
0: yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. They
1: have for five years and then trade him for 1,000.
0: 1,100, actually. Um, In one of, it's just a horrible, 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 it was a terrible deal. And it was a bad deal because the Israelis, did like they will do... I don't know. I think I might've told the story of the, uh, I did, but uh, the, the the pilot who was shot down or actually shot them, shot himself down a bomb uh, that they were carrying and their, their IAF plane blew up. And one of the pilots was picked up um, by an Israeli helicopter. The other one was, went missing. Um, and we still don't know what happened, um, but there was enormous amount of attempt over years, like knowing pretty sure that he was dead. And it looks like he did die in 89. It was in the eighties. This happened. And they never gave up. And they they offered things to try to trade, et cetera. And that's a thing that the Israelis do. They don't give up. And that's was was in that knowledge why 200-plus um, people have been, been taken hostage. But when people talk about genocide so blithely, in the day after a massacre that was, you know, if they had the capability, would have been the opening salvo in a genocide. It's as if, you know, you had Babi Yar... The massacre that the Nazis committed um, in 1941, I think, and it stopped because they didn't have any potential to do it again. That the Jews were in that region, willing and able to fight back. But if they were, if it was, if they were capable of doing it, they would kill every single one of them. I mean, that call that was released of the kid Just exulting to his exulting father. to his father, like I killed the Jews with my bare hands. I killed ten of them, ten of them. I mean, what kind of sick? Culture, and I mean this not as Palestinian culture, that's not what I'm saying. The Sikh culture of Gaza that is controlled by Hamas, the schools are controlled by Hamas, the media is controlled by Hamas, the sort of genocidal eliminationist hatred of Jews that is pumping through everybody. saying so everyone's young, everyone's young. The actuarial tables don't make sense to me that everyone's, half the population's under 18, but everyone's young. And that is terrifying because the number of young people there have grown up only with Hamas and only with this idea that killing Jews is something you call your parents about and you celebrate and you expect to be to be celebrated themselves. One of the, be- the things that I've seen recently that is that is kind of... Makes me, um, I don't know. I can say I can say it makes me happy, but it makes me happy in some way that that there's a new. They're going to do a new version of Operation Wrath of God, which is what the, the operation that uh, Shin Bet, Mossad, etc. took uh, d- did after um, the Munich uh, massacre in 19, uh, 1972, and went around um, killing people that were involved in it. Sometimes screwing up, by the way, and that's a thing. Killing in in Oslo. Um, or in Norway, I don't even know if it was an Oz, it might have been a Lillehammer, uh, killing a waiter who they mistook for somebody else and, and killed who had a, a wife, a Norwegian wife, with a baby on the way. And it was, and they got caught too, by the way, the Norwegians caught them. And it was a disaster. And these things happened, but they did keep going and trying to kill. And they, they have said, we're going, anybody that we, we have located and identified that were involved in this, we will hunt you down and kill you. And I think that that's these people need to be wiped off the face of the earth. And I don't mean, by the way, before you try to take that out of context, I mean those people who did this. That is what I'm saying specifically. Them. And the reason I'm saying that is I read a, I sent you guys a tweet the other day from um, Andrew Neil, the publisher of the Spectator, um, Scottish journalist, great, great human, um, tweeting about the people watching that footage, uh, the Israeli government. Uh, allowed uh, members of the media to watch some of the footage that they got off of cameras on dead soldiers and other stuff that they captured on Telegram or from signals intelligence captured here and there and uh, played it for them. You couldn't bring your phone in. You couldn't, you just uh, pencil and paper and you could write down what you see. And it is, I mean, just reading it, I almost wanted to vomit. It was so disgusting. It was so horrible. You know, the child, you know, I mean, it's just, you can read it for yourself. I can't even comprehend it. But those people are people I'm talking about. They're they are um they're not, as a friend of mine said, they're not animals. Because animals can be nice to you, can come up and want to be petted and lie on the couch with you and watch a movie. Yep. This is friend, beyond that.
1: Friend named Eli Lake. Yeah, no, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah. Weirdly enough.
0: No, no. The people who committed this. But um I would be skeptical of everything on both sides, just because it's a good position to have, because you don't need to have all the answers right away. You can wait. There's not, nothing riding on it. You're not, you don't have a test on it tomorrow. And if people say genocide right now, you know that they have come to their conclusion before any evidence has been submitted. So,
1: Yeah, just to see the level on individual basis of how much uh, individual person, individual journalist, individual news organization um, was demanding fact checks about babies slit throats. Mm -hmm. compared to how much they're demanding fact checks
0: and out we go this again if you're hearing this for the 50th time and you're annoyed by it it's time to subscribe that's why you keep hearing this um yeah camille doesn't show up so i hate to disappoint you uh but matt and i do continue and you know we're trying to get away from the issue that we're talking about here but all of the reader email this week we decided to mostly folk i say reader email listener email we do a podcast we don't make a newspaper. But all listener email has been about one thing. So we've had to focus on that one thing. Just got an email from somebody who said, and I thought this was a very good suggestion, Uh, because we do read all your emails, by the way. Uh, One that just popped up that said, have you listened to the Sheila Jackson Lee audio? We, I assume him and his uh, partner, friend, uh, compatriots, uh, co-workers, are listening to it nonstop. And it is hilarious. Uh, I agree. So we'll be talking about that soon and some other stuff and getting our heads out of the Middle East because it's a slightly unhealthy thing at this point. Um, it's driving us all a little bit crazy. But the conversation goes on and I think it gets better as I think it always does. We get cooking. So we the com. go over and subscribe and you can hear the rest of that conversation. Another hour plus, I think, and an archive of amazing material. Uh, so go subscribe. You help us uh, put this podcast out. You help us continue doing this podcast, you make us very happy, and uh, you put food in my daughter's uh, swollen, distended belly.
1: Which way you going, Billy, can I go to Billy And you were mine
0: I'm gonna miss you, Billy And no I'm trying I'm hurting